Welcome to the Resilience Breakthrough Podcast. This is Christian Moore. And I'm Dave B. Singer. Let's go. Let's go. Wait, what are we calling this? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking we're going to go with the Resilience Breakthrough Podcast. My book is called The Resilience oh, yeah. Breakthrough. Oh, yeah. You so wrote a thinking, book. Yes, yes, yes. So I think we could maybe play off the, the book name. I like that idea. All right. You think anybody's going to listen to this? I have no idea, and I do speak to quite a few people, and so I'm hoping, you know, as I go across the country for the last, you know, 20 years, I've been, you know, traveling, the last four or five years, a lot of people ask me, Christian, why in the world do you not have a podcast? Yeah. You know, you, you talk nonstop, yeah. but we should probably have a podcast. You know, all it took was a global pandemic for you to finally start a podcast, Christian. That is true. I think we're on day, what are we, on day five of this yeah, thing? of quarantine. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have our social distance, by the way, for any listeners. Yes, yes. Yeah, if you're listening to this in the future, you, you may not know what that means, but I think everybody in the world has heard the phrase yeah, right social now. distance. Like it's so funny because if you if you said the word so like the phrase social distance to me two weeks ago, yeah, we would know what it was. I, th- I it, well, it's a negative. I would have been like, yeah, that sounds like somebody who's isolated or something. Now it's like everybody keeps social distance. You know, the great irony of that. I spent the last twenty years talking to schools and mental health agencies and all these organizations about bringing people together. You know, human beings were social creatures. We need as much connection and being close as we possibly can. And so there's great irony in this, you know, the, just the word social distance is, is the opposite of what we've um, kind of taught for years. I know, I know. And, and, and like, have you walked in? I mean, I know you have because I was with you. Remember when we walked into that restaurant to get the pizza yesterday, last night? Yes. And yes. there's this awkward moment. There's another woman who walks in and she's like, we're afraid she's going to pick up our food. And yeah. we like are trying not to be too close to her. Yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. Like yeah, if, yeah. If, as I see people on the street, I'm like, okay, maintain six feet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I've never felt anything like it. Yeah, it's it's you know, up until this point, the world before that was becoming a little bit more isolated because of social media and different things and how much you know we know kids are spending eight to twelve hours a day on their on their phones and and, and disengaged a little. But I'm excited to be doing a podcast. Hey, oh yeah. That's what we're talking about. I'm excited. Now, I should tell you, uh, I'm with one of my favorite people on the planet, Dave Beasley. We should probably both introduce ourselves oh, a little yeah, bit more yeah. in depth. But I, I was thinking something kind of funny. I'm thinking maybe we'll introduce ourselves in a minute. But I'm thinking maybe I'll start out by introducing you. Oh. Then you introduce me. Okay. And we kind of go from there. I like I it. I like it. I like right. it. Who's going to start? I'll start. I'll start okay. introducing you. And I Now... Best way I can describe Dave Biesinger, he is a renaissance guy, very renaissance. So Dave is a type of person I can have a conversation with on pretty much any subject matter. And that's one of the reasons I love being around him. And a lot of people don't know that side of Dave, but Dave is um, everything from a technical person to a philosopher to um, his goal is to really help the human condition heal. He's, he's the type of guy, he would give you the shirt off his back. If he sees someone hurting or needs something, he, he will definitely, definitely go the extra mile to, to help him out. So that's my kind of Dang, personal man. introduction of the great Dave Biesinger. But that, that it's not out. like over-promise, under-deliver. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, 
that's my world view of Dave. And okay. he's also, hold on, he's also been a mentor okay. to my kids. My kids love him. Um, my kids refer to him as funny because Dave has skills, technical skills, and you probably pick up on this. My skills are more verbal. So if like something needs to be fixed around our house, we're having a technical problem, my kids will say, hey, call your friend Dave. And so yeah. uh, Dave is kind of, um, again, he's, he's, he's a renaissance guy. He, he, oh, he's also been an actor, a performer. He's a professional communicator. He's been a speaker. I don't know what you have not done on this planet. but I've um, never been a janitor. You've never been a janitor. Well, actually, I'm, a, I'm oh. my family's janitor, so I take that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have done that. Yeah. So, I cleared um, a few toilets. So that's, that's Dave Biesinger. So I'll give you a little feel from Christian's perspective. Okay, 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 day. okay, okay. My turn. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. The first time I met Christian, he had drawn a picture of a roller coaster. And he talked about how, you know, we could take the harder but worth it track or we could take the, you know, the easy fast track. And I was at the time, I got to admit, I I'd spent most of my life riding that easy fast track and crashing. Anybody familiar with Y Try is going to know exactly what we're talking about. If you haven't heard of Y Try yet, this is a visual metaphor that we use to teach that, you know, decisions have consequences. And I needed that message in my life when I first met Christian. He had drawn these little pictures. This was before Why Try was 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 even a company. Yeah. I mean, Christian was working as a therapist, and he was doing therapy groups with with my then uh, friend, soon to be girlfriend, and then soon after that to be wife. And I'm still married to her today. Her name's Amy. And Christian just left a really strong impression on me. And I remember thinking, oh, I'd love to work with a guy like that. You know, he's this philosopher. You know, he talks about deep things, but he's also funny. And he really cares. Like, I just remember you were one of the few people I had met who was a really good listener. You know, you, you, would, you would really listen to what I was saying. And then you would weave it into, you know, your, your, your therapy or your philosophies. You adapted, you adjusted. And, and I've noticed that over the years, Christian, like, like you, you pick things up from different people in different places and you just kind of weave it all together. And it's a beautiful thing. And I think Christian's main talent, and I think many of you who've heard him speak will agree with this. I think Christian's golden touch, or I don't, that's the wrong thing. I'm like mixing metaphors here with a metaphor guy, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is the ability to take something complicated and just make it simple and easy to understand. Like, I think that's your genius. You know, you, you think you can that. think about deep things, you can talk about deep things, but like the, the visual metaphors of why try and, and the four sources that you talk about in the resilience breakthrough, like you just got this talent for taking things that are complicated and making them simple so that people like me can understand or, them. Or it could be, I don't understand complicated things, so I have to make everything simple. I yeah. have no other choice. Yeah. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> but you know, Christian, another thing that you should know about Christian is Christian has some of the best taste on the planet when it comes to eating. So like Christian and I, we go out to eat every once in a while. And usually when, when we order, I'm just like, give me whatever that guy's getting. Cause well, let me, he knows how to, he let knows me how put to this in perspective why I uh, became a little bit of a foodie and why um, when people spend time with me, they usually let me order. It's not in it for any real great reason, except complete travel insanity. Um, I've been traveling for 20 years. For about seven years of those 20 years, I traveled 260 days a year. That's 260 
60 mils times three in a restaurant because you know yeah. you're on the road you have to have breakfast lunch and dinner and being a road warrior and you know traveling these that's seven million that's miles. 780 meals by yeah. the way oh is that 780 yeah. meals thank you thank you I don't, those that know me know i have pretty severe learning learning disabilities in in math and reading so it's nice having someone like i Dave, just so. i just made that up it's not actually oh it's not actually oh man come on i want to know oh, what that no, real no, number is. No, i don't know. know i don't know and somebody just no, did the math on it okay it was a really okay it i didn't even know i'm so dumb <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, so anyways, um, so when you eat that many meals, I've, I've, I've probably in the last 20 years, literally I've eaten more meals in a restaurant than at home. So I do advise someone, if you are with me in a restaurant, I, 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 can, I know he my knows way what around a menu really yeah. well. Especially Popeye's chicken. True, true. And it's also why I'm in top physical condition yeah, right now. That's right. And so yeah. since you can't see me, there's not a camera on me. I'm pretty much, I got a six pack. I yeah. weigh about 145 He's pounds. He's got a six pack of dad's root beer. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, definitely. He's got he's got some abs. He's got definitely <laughs> some abs going. <laughs> um, so, so Christian, uh, part part of what we want to talk about in the podcast here is resilience. And what I want to ask you about is, yeah. you know, when I first met you, you were talking about you know decisions have consequences. You were talking to you know kids who are at risk. Resilience wasn't really in the picture at the time. But then years later, you guys ended up writing a book about resilience. So somehow, I think you discovered that underneath all of these other principles, yeah. there was resilience. Talk to me about how you discovered that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So you know, I spent 20 years almost you know, teaching social and emotional, just teaching skills to help kids you know, bounce back, helping kids understand their decisions have consequences, how to tear off the labels, control their emotions, their defense mechanisms, how to get plugged into a support system. So, so we're teaching skills to help kids thrive. And, and we noticed that some kids would take these skills and really, really thrive and bounce back. And other kids, we could teach skills all day long. And they oftentimes had no desire, they had no motivation to to bounce back, to, to put one foot in front of another. So I just started thinking to myself, is there a way to figure out where resilience comes from within, internally? I mean, we use the word breakthrough because we realized several years ago, if we could figure out where resiliency is internally, that inner motivation to push through, to not give up, that that can be somewhat of a big deal to, to be able to answer the question, you know, the, where resiliency comes from this is literally a skill you can learn. When I was in graduate school, they would, a lot of my professors told me, you can't hand someone a prescription for resilience. I, I remember, so I actually yeah. remember where I was standing when you, I was talking to you on the phone and you were telling me, dude, I think we can actually teach resilience. I was like, what are you talking about? I, yeah. And I, cause I remember reading at the time, this was, I think, oh yeah. gosh, I gotta, I gotta put a date on it. I think it was back around 2006, 2007, yeah. when yeah. you were telling me on the phone, I think we can actually teach resilience. And there were a lot of studies coming out at that time that, you know, why, why does one kid in the hood, you know, yeah. bounce back? Why, why does one kid who has challenging circumstances get out of it when so many don't? What makes the yeah. difference? And they were saying it's resilience, but they were saying it was more of an innate thing. It was just yeah. something they were kind of born with. Some kids yeah. were born yeah. with yeah. this resilience and then other kids didn't. And if they had it, they had yeah. a ticket out. And if they didn't have it, there was no ticket. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you were telling me it could be taught. And I remember going, oh, come on, you can teach it? Yeah, yeah, All yeah. these studies right now no. are saying that well, it's just something in you. Well, I can tell you, you know, 10 years ago, we started looking at this a little bit. A lot of people were telling me, you know, what works with one person is never going to work with another person. And, you know, as a social worker, 
you know, I'm a clinical social worker. I spend most of my time working with people who have high trauma and are crashing, they're having difficulties. And so for you to come into my office for therapy, no one's coming to my office for therapy that has high trauma and are thriving. You just, you don't go meet with a counselor and you're in that situation. But I started realizing, wait a minute, there's this huge population that has tremendous challenges, tremendous difficulties, and a big percentage of that population still thrives. But again, as a social worker, I don't work with that population. Mm. So I thought, all right, I'm gonna start paying attention to children and families where they're dealing with tremendous poverty, abuse, violence, but say the child, you know, he still finished high school, he got a scholarship or she got a scholarship, they're thriving. And these are people with high trauma who are high flyers. Again, mental health workers like me, we don't spend much time with that population. I thought, wait a minute, what if we started studying that population and trying to figure out, okay, when you have high trauma, and you're not shutting down, what are you tapping into? Mm. And that kind of became the forerunner of the book. And to be really frank with you, also at the time, I had gone through a pretty difficult challenge in my life. And I personally, I had dealt with a tremendous challenge. And, um, you know, I just, those that don't know my background, when I was 28 years old, I had never made over $6 an hour. I, I had dealt with a lot of different challenges in my life. I come from a family of 12 kids. Both my parents had some mental health issues. and. I had graduated from college, had a little bit of success as a speaker, you know, out there on the road and having some success. And then I kind of dealt with a rock bottom situation. I thought, man, if I'm going to pull myself out of this, and at the time I was dealing with some anxiety, some depression, some, some pretty tough stuff I was going through. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to bounce back from this, you know, I got to tap into something. Mm. But, and so kind of at that same time, I was thinking to myself, why don't I start paying attention again to people who have high trauma, who are thriving, and as I was speaking across the country, people started saying to me, have you ever thought about paying attention to this population? And I started paying attention to it, and I kept seeing four things kind of bounce up over and over, and today we're not gonna get into that in depth, but we'll come back, I, I realized- such a tease. I know, <laughs> so I realized there's something called, you know, relational resilience, something called street resilience, resource resilience and rock bottom resilience. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about all four of these yeah. uh, when we have a little bit more time. But in, right now, in this podcast, I think we just yeah. tried to get it off the ground and, sure, and introduce myself, introduce you to the world. Yeah. And um, But I'm excited to share these four sources of resilience. And we, we, we've looked at now thousands of people who have overcome and bounced back. And we've noticed they're usually tapping into at least yeah. two of those four sources. And in working in these 30,000 schools across the country, we know for sure resilience is a learned skill. You don't have to be born with it. So we're excited about That's that. That's huge. I mean, that really yeah. is huge, if you think about that. Because everybody faces a challenge. It's just a matter of degree, right? It's all relative, yeah. right? Like one person's challenge might seem like it's petty. You know, we always say yeah. first world problems, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, hey, for sure there are people out there who are, you know, in Africa and recruited to, uh, as children, you know, to fight in wars and, and, and experience horrific things. Yeah, yeah. And those people, obviously, they have to tap some serious yeah. resilience just I mean, to stay at, like, alive. Victor Frankl. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the Holocaust. People, people, we know human beings have have all had tremendous opposition, tremendous challenges. Um, Anybody. What's, what's, everybody. What's interesting is, is we can't find a situation. We look at human history. Right. We really can't find a challenge or a situation that human beings have not bounced back from. I mean, yeah. of course, 
you can be yeah. death. We're, 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 we're right, right, right. Of a and there is, right there is for yeah, sure yeah. like I want to be careful uh, how I say a survivor that, but... bias, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because the people who don't bounce back yep, yep. tend to go away yep, 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 or absolutely. die, and that's yep, true. Yep, yep, and that's sad. Yep, yep, yep. That's true. Yeah, but you know we're all here. Like the human, the human race is resilient. Like we've been through a lot of yeah, trials, yeah. a lot of challenges. Yeah, and that's because we didn't. I mean, you know, we didn't go the way of the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. still here. No, absolutely. What's, what's really fascinating right now is we have this conversation. Yeah, the world is in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. and so the I think resilience in the next you know three to five years is going to be huge. But I'm very optimistic mm-hmm. that we will um, come out of this stronger. When when we have opposition or we have a difficulty, I've learned that there's really two choices. No one's ever showed me Plan B. I mean Plan C is either going to be your best friend, Plan A, or Plan B, your worst enemy. Yeah. And I look at challenges in my own life. They either chew me up, spit me out, eat me for dinner again, or I use them as a resource. And yeah. it's one thing to tell someone, "Hey, we want you to use these challenges as a resource," but they really need the skills to do that. And I promise you, in this podcast, we are going to share the specific skills yeah. because I think it's really important we don't leave someone hanging because to me that's very much false hope to tell someone, hey, we're gonna, you can overcome this, but, but, how? With it, but how? And right. that's really important to me. And that's where I wrote the book, The Resilience Breakthrough, was to, to really answer that question. But going back to what I was just saying, the third thing is, you know, Someone said to me one time, well, you, you can either, it's your best friend or your worst enemy, or you can do nothing. You can sit on the fence. Yeah. That would maybe be the third option. I, yeah. Years ago, Dave, I used to say to audiences, yeah. I'll give you a $10,000 reward yeah. if you can tell me what the third option is oh, when no. you have a challenge someone or a crisis. That check? Yeah, yeah well, well, one guy almost got me. He oh said, well, you, you can have a crisis, you can have a challenge, you don't do anything. You just freeze up. You're, you just yeah. you just don't do anything. And I yeah. thought to myself, so I asked the audience back. I said, if you freeze up, you, you just kind of sit on the fence. You don't do anything. Are you more likely to go forward or backwards? So I had everybody raise their hand. 90% of the audience said, you're probably going to go backwards oh. if you do nothing. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, so, yeah. So there is no move. There, so I, I, what you're saying is, that, and there's, this is a phenomenon in nature. Uh-huh. If something isn't growing, it's dying. Oh, wow. There is no oh, staying I like still. That. I like that. I like Either that. Either something's growing or it's dying. Wow. There is no standing still. All right. I'm, 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 I'm going to use that in my next speech. Thank just, you, Dave. I, 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 I appreciate that. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's, as you can see, uh, why I hang out with Dave. Dave, again, Dave's one of my mentors in, in many, many ways. So, and I, if this sounds like a little bit of a... Um, uh, We're kind of stroking each other yeah, a little yeah, bit. Bro, you know? bro, bro, yeah, bro, bro, bro fest here. Yeah. Or bromance going on. Um, I, I think both of us, and we should we maybe, and we'll talk about this in another pocket. Both of us come from somewhat similar backgrounds. We both yeah. overcame difficulties in our childhood and, and different things. I think that's one of the reasons yeah. we connect and we um, we both just kind of our whole lives just keep pushing through, man, and just not giving up. That's probably why and we're sitting in here. Where the streets around us are completely empty. That's crazy. And, 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 and I haven't had time in We've been wondering how, how many years ago. We've did, been wanting to make this about? podcast for like two or three years, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you know. We joked earlier that it took a global pandemic for us to finally make a podcast. But it's absolutely true. But here's the yeah. thing: is uh, you know, you talked earlier about you know what what are you going to do with a challenge? And we're yeah. we're both you know I don't yeah. know about you, I've had some sleepless nights yeah, where you know I've yeah. gone down the rabbit hole and read the news yeah. and and been just absolutely freaked out. And there's good reason yeah. to be concerned right now. I'm yeah, not yeah. downplaying yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, part of our response here is, you know, we're going to do something. 
you know, we're going to, you know, it's, it's what you always call production therapy, you know, yeah. and one of the best, you know, Hey, we'll hand you a skill right now. I know we said we weren't going to, but here it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're, if you're facing a challenge, just get up and get busy doing something. Yeah. That's kind of what we're doing yeah, with this I, podcast. Absolutely. I always tell people resilience takes place in the striving. It, it, you know, resilience is the ability to bounce back and that bouncing back happens what I call the effort effect. It's just literally, you know, it, you don't reach a destination. People people call me all the time or they'll see me in airports. They'll say, hey, you're the author of the book, The Resilience Breakthrough. They go, you know, Christian, how did you achieve resilience? Or when did you know you were resilient? And my answer always shocks them because I always say to them, well, I haven't reached resilience yet. And they're like, what do you mean you haven't reached resilience? I go, no, it's not a destination. You don't just wake up and you're resilient. Again, resilience takes place in the effort, the striving. It's not a destination. So it was, even though I think about resilience all day long, it's my number one passion, it's my priority. I wrote a book on it, I teach you know, millions of kids about it. But at the end of the day, I, I realize that my resilience takes place in just, in just pushing through it. An analogy I like to use, or metaphor I like to use, is if you can imagine a, a homeless man picks up bottles all day, sleeps under a bridge, walks five more miles to the next bridge, picks up bottles all along the way, and goes to sleep and does it the next day, the next day, the next day, that homeless man could be far more resilient than me with all my resources and family, connections I have. If, if I take those and, and, and make bad decisions, disrespect my family, my kids, not put effort into life, that homeless man is way more resilient to me. Resilience has nothing to do with success. Well, that makes perfect it's, sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, resilience is relative yeah, to yeah, the absolutely. challenge, right? And it's and it's found, like you said, it's not a destination. Like the most resilient person is not going to be the wealthiest person in the world. Amen. Right? Amen. I think the, the the most resilient person in the world is going to have the biggest difference between their challenges and their outcome. You know, that homeless person. You know, yeah. I. I I've I've known homeless people. Yeah. I've known people who are, I, I actually tried to you know I have an interesting experience. It was uh, I don't know how relevant it is, but um, so so I met these guys who were homeless, and I worked with some people in our community to offer them a, an apartment. I just you know yeah, I, yeah. I met them, I talked to them, and and we were going to try to get them an apartment and everything. We we took them over to to a friend's house and we yeah. let them take a shower. We got them a, a nice hot meal. Yeah. We got them some new clothes, and and we had someone in the community who was going to set them up with an apartment. And at the end of the day, I, I wish I could remember this guy's name. He just looked at me and he said, "I can't do it." Like yeah. I he couldn't. Yeah. He had he he wanted to go back to the homeless lifestyle like the idea of getting away yeah. from it was too challenging he had he had developed a comfort yeah. zone yeah. of being where he was and the thought of going back to yeah. you know having to pay rent and living in an apartment and all of those obligations that he was facing was too high absolutely the yeah. pressure was too high yeah. Yeah. and so you know you can have someone who's living on the streets who is resilient and then you can have other people who are shutting down in that given those same yeah. set yeah. of circumstances well, what's interesting is and and there's many reasons why someone's homeless. It can be mental illness. It can be background of abuse. Definitely substance abuse. There's, there's many reasons someone's in that situation. What's um, really fascinating to me is 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 understanding. Okay, when someone's in that situation, you know, one of the things that that makes it really complex for us to sometimes to even. I believe cause us to even stay in some of these situations is our ability to adapt. I look at some of the 
dysfunctional things in my own life is mm-hmm. I'm just adapting mm-hmm. to this. Human beings are the most adaptable thing on the on this planet. So it's crazy. So, so like right now, I can tell you, even with this pandemic, if this goes on, some people think this might go on for longer, maybe two we'll years reach or whatever. A new normal. Yeah, yeah. So you, for so sure. humans will automatically adapt. So as a therapist, I've worked with people who who don't want to leave their house. They have social phobia. You know, I was raised by my mom has some social phobia. Right. You know, in my story, we'll talk about another podcast, but that was one of mental health issues my my mom had, and so is that we we our adaptation is also what creates our resilience. Yeah. It's because we'll adapt to almost any situation. And that, that adaption yeah. can be very functional and that be, adaptation yeah. can be very dysfunctional. Right. But we can um, adapt to things that are yeah, harmful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean you just and, and, someone and, and not yeah. want to get out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. sometimes we can adapt to circumstances we have no control over yeah, and, yeah. and thrive despite in spite of them. Exactly. So so it's it's putting people in a situation where again they're doing they're not hurting themselves they're not hurting other people but we do need to be really sensitive especially when we work with homeless populations oh, yeah. yeah those there's many many reasons why they're in that situation but I know my similarly with the story you were telling my experience sometimes I, I one of my first jobs out of graduate school is working in a homeless program and stuff and we would we could provide all these resources but they but sometimes people get in that comfort situation I, and there's things that I do the same thing there's yeah. things in my own life where I continue to do the same behaviors over and over because that's my comfort zone and, and and we'll talk about this in another podcast as well but that's why one of the most important things in the world of resilience is to be able to forgive ourselves mm. because you have no desire to put one foot in front of another to push through if we're beating ourselves up and and i call it the kryptonite of resilience people always ask me what's the number one thing will destroy resilience always is to not forgive ourselves but the minute we forgive ourselves when we make a mistake or we mess up or not perfect that resilience can kick back in it gives that resilience a chance if you're laying in bed at night and you're only focused on what's wrong with yourself you have less desire to wake up the next morning and and push through. So I always tell kids, for example, I say when your head hits the pillow at night, I want you to ask yourself, what did I do right today? How can I do more of that tomorrow? It's like a snowball rolling down a mountain. That snowball will get bigger and bigger and bigger as we focus on what's right with ourselves, not what's wrong. That's one little seed of resilience. I want to plant that seed right there. You know, and and that reminded me too, like um, you you always talk about flipping the switch. And and again, this is another thing we'll get into later, but but you know, sometimes, sometimes we have that. You know, I know for myself, like I'll have just a streak of negative thoughts. You know, yeah. and and it's not it's not super productive. But then sometimes I just hit this moment where I flip it. You know, yeah. and and I go and I just decide. You know, make a decision somewhere somehow yeah, yeah. to to go positive, and then that can yeah. cause a streak of positive thoughts. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. And, and which which lead to positive actions. Yeah. And so I think one of the keys here that I've learned from you is. How can we try to flip the switch a little bit more each yeah, and yeah. every day, right? Yeah. And just take a little bit more control back. Well, one thing I'm excited about in this podcast over the next few years, I hope this podcast goes on for years. And I, again, I, I've been wanting to do this podcast for so long. But we're, I'm excited. We're going to be interviewing a lot of different people who have been resilient who have the ability to bounce back. And as we interview these people, we're really going to look for those moments where they flip the switch, where they said to themselves, how can I use this problem as a resource, as my best friend? And that's kind of one of the entryways into resilience is, you know, we have a crisis, we have suffering, and then we flip the switch. We ask ourselves, how can I use that suffering as a resource or use that suffering as a reason 
to put one foot in front of another. Just one example, that I have an older brother who was a police officer. I come from a family of 12 kids. My oldest brother was a police officer. Long, crazy story, but he went to sleep in the back of a pickup truck uh, after a long night shift, and the truck got hit in the back, and he ended up being oh killed. My gosh. And he, I don't um, think I've ever heard the story. Yeah, yes, and it's crazy. They closed the beltway down around oh Washington D.C. Yeah, just the, this you, guy so, was my so hero. Older brother, yeah, my oldest brother, who was a police officer. Yeah, yeah, went to sleep in the back of a truck. Why? Yeah, he why was he sleeping in the yeah. back of a truck? Well, it's interesting. He was, um, he was up all night. He was working this police shift. Yeah, and then he was. Uh, what was it? His minister. pickup. No, it was his father-in-law's pickup. Oh. And so he's a minister of a congregation. Yeah. And one of the people in his congregation, yeah. he was a police officer and a minister. Yeah. It was just an yeah. interesting combination. That's an interesting combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell more about that. We'll, we'll have another conversation. Arrest you by day brother, and then forgive you for your sins by night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was amazing. I mean, he, it's funny thing. He used to tease me for being a social worker. Yeah. Because he's like, you know, I arrest these guys. You try to save all these yeah, people yeah, as, yeah. As, as a social worker. And then the um, Washington Post wrote an article about him. He would actually find wow. homeless people living in the woods, yeah. find jobs for them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Guys, amazing, amazing guy. And um, anyway, so Billy, he, um, one of the members of his congregation needed a new roof. Mm-hmm. And so he had worked all night. Oh, my gosh. And then he... Um, so that's why he was sleeping in the pickup? Yeah, because so his father-in-law picks him up, and his father-in-law's like, you know, please come to the front yeah. of the truck. And he's like, I'm so tired if I can get just like, it was like an hour where they were driving to, yeah. to go help somebody. And he went to sleep in the back of the pickup truck. Oh, you know those windy roads in Virginia? Yeah. The pickup truck got hit from behind. Oh. And, and, and Billy was... Um, so it was just pulled off on the side of the road, parked? No, no, it was just, um, there was... Uh, um, just a traffic sign ahead saying you know, construction ahead. Yeah. And he his father in law slowed down. They had those windy two lane roads. Oh, I see. You know, so Virginia. he was driving. Yeah, yeah. So his father in law was driving. And he was sleeping stopped. in he the stopped. back. Yeah, yeah. And then he while stopped. he was driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and then, then they he stopped. stopped. And then the guy behind him reached down to like pick up a sandwich. Yeah. And didn't see the didn't sign see ahead. The sign. Construction went barreling around the corner Boom. and hit Billy in the back of the truck. And, oh, jeez. And Billy was killed. And he. Um, oh, my gosh. And it was, you know, it, it was. One of the most painful moments, right? In our, of yeah. course, in our family. And it, how old were you when this I happened? I was probably about. Let me see. At that time, I was probably in my mid thirties. Okay. When it happened, and so this had, was like right after you started Why Try. Then. Yeah, yeah. Not too long after I started yeah. Why Try, and over two thousand mourners came yeah. to the funeral home to wow. see him and stuff. Wow. And I, mean, I wasn't planning on talking about this. No, <laughs> this opening is, a, this podcast, is an interesting story. I've never they, heard this. Story. Oh, you never heard yeah. this story. Yeah. So they. Um, over two thousand, and it's interesting. This is in Spotsylvania, Virginia, is where this, um, where the funeral home, where his funeral was held. They had, I was talking to the director of the funeral home, and um, the funeral home director says, "Man, we just buried a congressman here, and we didn't have this many people. Your brother was oh, a, wow. a minister and a police officer." I said, "Yeah." And I also said, "You know, Billy was a high school dropout. He had, he had this, you know, really difficult background, and which we'll share in another podcast." But from my own life story, so Billy, you know, his mom left when he was really young, yeah. never came back and stuff. And I, Billy was a high school dropout, had tremendous challenges, but married this incredible woman and turned his life around and was able to make it onto the, got his GED, made it onto the Fairfax, Virginia Police Department, and um, worked his way up to becoming a detective. And um, so people who he had arrested, so I'm standing in line next to his coffin, people are walking through, no and way. they were saying, yeah, they said, when your brother arrested me, how he treated me in the interrogation room changed my whole life. Wow. And then we're, so we're sitting there for like four hours shaking people's hands, and like, literally probably 150 people whispered in my ear, hey, your brother Billy was my best friend. 
he was I'm thinking, how are all these people his best friends? So he had, he had community leaders, all these different people, um, young people and um, people from every culture background. They're like, hey, Christian, I just want you to know your brother's my best friend. And all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, man, he kind of like, he surrendered the one-up relationship. And those who have heard about surrendering the one-up relationship and why I try, that's where some of that comes from. I started yeah. realizing Billy treated people the same, whether they were very successful, yeah. whether they were struggling, whether they were homeless. He saw everybody having value. So anyways, we, we, um, we when the funeral's o- over, they have a procession, you know, to the Arlington Cemetery right. where he was buried because he was a police officer and stuff. So they're, um, yeah, police helicopters flying over. From where 95 runs into the Beltway, there are police officers standing at attention. You have to get like permission from Congress, basically, wow. to close the Beltway down. I mean, how many? And I, I, I know police officer, police officer, all police officer funerals are a huge deal. Yeah. Because of the dangerous work they do and the critical service that they provide to our communities. Yeah. But uh, that sounds like it was a big deal even for a police officer. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the director, I mean, the police chief said, no, this is very rare. We've yeah. never seen anything quite like this. And it was because and of the way that he treated people, whether that was in yeah. the interrogation yeah, room yeah, yeah. Or, or in his congregation or a homeless or guy. on the yeah, street. Yeah. So, so, That's incredible. So it had a major impact. I'm glad maybe this is why this needs to come out this podcast because that had a huge impact on my social work career. So, so I started talking about a few minutes ago, flipping the switch. It's one thing for me to say, okay, how do I take this challenge and convert it to my best friend? So here's my oldest brother who looked out for me. He had a, it's a longer story. He had a huge impact on me because he came from a family of six kids. My basically, so what we're talking about is give the audience a little context. My mom had me and an older sister, got a divorce, met a man who had six kids, it meets my mom. They have four more kids, a total of 12 kids. So Billy's mm. the, oldest the oldest of the 12 he's kids. He's like the patriarch of yeah, the yeah, kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's the one. He looks out for us. Yeah. He, he did a lot of nice things for me growing up. And this guy was one of the most kind human beings you'll ever meet. And, um, and so at his funeral, I thought to myself, and for me, this is an example of flipping the switch. At his funeral, I thought to myself, okay. I'm going to honor his life. I'm so hurt. You know, he's passed away. I don't have this guy in my life anymore. My brother here. I'm, I'm going to try to carry on his legacy of being unconditional, his legacy of surrendering the one-up relationship. Mm-hmm. What I mean by surrendering yeah, wanna, the one-up yeah, relationship you is know, you let people know they have value and worth whether they succeed or whether they fail. Yeah. You know, it's, what's interesting about surrendering the one-up, you know, and I, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard that word thrown around and... I don't always fully understand what it means, but this yeah. is this is the best way I've gotten my head around it. Yeah. Is when you have a one up, that means that society has handed you privilege. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. So whether that's an institution yeah, yeah. or whether that's just, you know, because of who you were born as, you yeah. have privilege. Yeah, yeah. When you surrender the one up, you take that privilege yeah. and you give it up well, yeah, to lift put, someone yeah, else. And, and, is that what it is? Yeah, absolutely. To surrender the one up is to really prioritize mankind. I'm gonna treat you with dignity and respect because you're a fellow human being. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we, we all know we're 99.8% the same genetically. Our DNA, that debate is over. So you're, yeah. we're all we're connected all in some way. And you, sisters, yeah. and you think, I'm thinking about this, I mean, this pandemic right yeah. now that's happening, we're all in the same, all boat. The same boat. I mean, yeah. right now, the whole world is in right. a pretty equalized situation right now. Right. And, you know, I mean, of course, there's always going to be a few people with, with privilege. I'm not yeah. minimizing that at all. For sure, there'll be a lot of people with some privilege. But what I'm saying is the ability to say, hey, 
I'm going to surrender this one-up relationship. I'm gonna, because you're my fellow, you know, brother, my fellow sister, you're my fellow human being, we're yeah. going to, um, we're all in this together. You know, Male, female, but, trans, whatever, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Man. And it's, it's interesting when I'm um, working, I do a lot of work, I've done work in inner cities across this country where kids are killing each other yeah. because of their culture, their background, skin color, when an activity I always do to help them see that humanity in each other, I'll, I'll take a chalkboard and I'll list all the similarities, you know, both of them want to say goodnight to their moms at night. Oh, yeah. They love their mom, their grandmother. They are interested in their significant other, the boyfriend, their girlfriend. They're, they have um, a favorite what, color, maybe? They have a favorite color. I mean, they like certain food. They both like right. burgers from McDonald's. I mean, so I will sit there yeah. and overkill. I've literally, many times, I've filled up probably over 500 things on a chalkboard that are the similarities between them. Yeah. And then I'll turn back to the group. And it's funny, by then they're like, they get it. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll go, I go, so you're killing each other over your skin color, but you have everything else, everything else is, is the same in common. And, and, and that goes back to that human condition. And my brother Billy really helped me understand that we are all the same. We're all equal. We're all in this boat together. And so I say, so going back to flipping the switch and, and being resilient is, is when we have a tragedy, like, my, like death is one of the greatest tragedies, yeah. of, if not the greatest tragedy, when, 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 from an emotional standpoint, you really care about someone. Yeah. But, but, but when that, for, for me, when someone passes away, it's the ability to say to myself, in the past you know, two years, my mom and dad have both died, this brother died, and so I just turned 50 years old, you know, Th this year I death turned 50. Death is becoming real for yeah, you yeah, too, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I turned 50 this year, so I'm saying to myself, all right, I got X amount of time left, right. so I'm gonna be resilient as much as I can because I know I'm here for a short window and out of love and respect for, you know, my dad passing away, my mom passing away, my brother Billy who was killed in that car accident, I'm gonna try to be a better human being. I'm gonna try to surrender the one-up relationship more. I'm gonna flip that switch. And it's, it's a process, again, I have to flip that switch sometimes a hundred times a day. It's not just a, a one-time thing. Well, totally. You have to, you have to flip it constantly. Yeah. So I had never heard that story about Billy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I've known you for so long. I think I've heard so many of your stories. Yeah, yeah, but I've yeah. I've never heard about Billy before. Yeah, it's a, um, it, it's just been on my mind a lot lately, especially what you're seeing right now, what all these first responders are doing, yeah. what nurses are doing. It's heroic. I mean, the the resilience. You want to see resilience, man. What these doctors and nurses are doing right now are, are incredible examples of, of resilience. We we've been really lucky the last. Um, this past year, we got the opportunity to train um, lots of nurses over oh, yeah. 200 nurses at the University of Utah yeah. Medical School. And just as we've interacted with some of those nurses, I've learned more about nursing, man. The, those, those, they're amazing people. And, they're on the front and, lines. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's we're going to see resilience rising more and more. The need for resilience is going to be highly needed. And I hope in this podcast, as we interview people, we'll be able to really identify, make, make understanding what we have to do to tap into that resilience as clear as possible because resilience is already within us. People always ask me, do you have resilience? Do you not have resilience? Well, human beings are highly, highly resilient. I think I just saw recently on a Google thing, there's you have like a one in 400 trillion chance of being born. When they take into right. consideration, you know, famine, disease, pandemics, all the different things that could cause us to not, not be, be born. The odds of the yeah. of the sperm and the you're already beating together. the odds. Yeah, you're yeah. beating the odds. So if you're Just on planet, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. on planet Earth, sucking in oxygen, yeah. you are highly, highly resilient. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's important we don't forget how resilient we already are. Even while we're going through this crisis, I right know. now. 
I know. I think I think during a crisis like this, I think there is a temptation to shut down, to give up, you know, and and maybe to just give in to, you know, whether that's to, you know, uh, w- maybe it's a vice or maybe it's just to, you know, shut down and just stay glued to media, yeah. you know. But then you then you see other people who are finally you know reading that book they've always been wanting to read yeah, or yeah. or you know revisiting a novel they've been wanting to write you know um, or or us you know sitting here doing this podcast I mean yeah, yeah. you know not 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 to pat ourselves on the back but you know just yeah. whatever whatever it is it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's big or small taking action yeah. Yeah, well, in the face well, human, of a crisis absolutely human beings have a desire to feel productive like I can tell you right now if you had a thing hooked up to me that could um, assess endorphins or whatever. You know, today it was kind of a long day. I've been working all day today since early this morning. You know, I started working early, and then it's just, you know, we've done some, quite a bit of different things today. And um, But if you connect it, if you can measure um, my um, energy level right now, doing this podcast is probably quadrupled because I feel like I'm being productive. Wait, human beings have a desire to be productive. When yeah. we're productive, our resilience increases. It does. And so to, to, you, you can measure your desire to push through by it, you feel like you're, you're, you're contributing, you feel like you're being productive. And so I just want to plant that seed with everybody out yeah. there to pay attention to that because yeah. that has a huge, huge impact on on our resilience as well. Now, I do have a question for you, Dave, oh. as we're jumping around a little bit. And, and, and by the way, the, the listeners are going to have to learn that um, probably when I'm doing a podcast, people pick this up when I'm speaking. To, someone said to me the other day, listening to you speak, Christian, is like driving down the road, and then you go into different cul-de-sacs, and you come back out, and you go into another cul-de-sac. So this... Um, all the listeners out there that have ADHD will relate to this, but um, we're going to meander a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This may be an ADHD podcast, but enjoy the journey. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the journey, and and hopefully, I don't think you'll be bored. But the um, but my question for you, Dave, is you know I, I shared with you some of my you know what I really want to accomplish with this is you know we hear from people, we we really shake out where that internal resilience comes from, and I'm hoping maybe by um, episode ten we really defined you know, where resilience comes from within, and then we continue to build on that. Um, that's one of my goals of the podcast. But this is, you know, this is a joint thing. We're doing this together. I'd love to hear some of your goals and what you, you want to accomplish with this as well. So I, lo- I love to hear people's stories. Yeah. I love it because I, I learn from every single human being I come in contact with. And so I've, I've struggled to be resilient at times in my own life. I, I'll admit, you know, and, and I'll get into this more, you know, at some point. But, you know, I've gone on shutdown at times and done things that were destructive and self-destructive. And, uh, and you've been a real important mentor for me in teaching me how to channel some of, the, some of that pain into a productive outcome. And I appreciate that. And I'm trying to continually do it. And I want to so, – so I guess there's two, two sides to that. So I want to be a part of discovering. All right, all right. So I think we're going to learn. I mean, I think we've got. We, you've oh, written a book about resilience. Yeah, no, I think we might have to write a new book because I'm telling you, we're going to learn I'm a lot from you, this. I, I know agree. I agree. we're going to learn a lot from these people that we have yeah, on. Absolutely. And every single person that we talk to, even just me talking to you right now, I feel like I'm learning new things. Yeah. And so I love that. I enjoy that process. And you know, I'm a filmmaker. That's my background. I'm a yeah, storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what I love more than anything is just to hear people's stories. Like every human story, every human has a beautiful story to tell. Yeah. And so you know, that's one of the reasons. I love talking to you. You have so many fun stories that add color to life. And, you know, we laugh and we joke and we cry and, you know, we share that back and forth. But the rush of that connection, that ability to sit with another human being, whether it's face to face or or through video or whatever, and feel like I'm I'm making a connection. You know, we're both present in this moment and we're sharing something. And there's there's like a third idea that's emerging from it. 
Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. And there's a rush that I get from that. And I hope that people will feel that same rush as they hear the stories and all of the beautiful things that emerge. See, one thing I love about podcasts, I've done, you know, other type of media type things over the last 20 years, but and I'm so excited for this moment to be doing my first podcast because, and Dave, I'm sure I can tell you, I, I listen to hundreds of podcasts because I travel all the time. I'm a road warrior. A podcast is, is something that's really important to me because, you know, what I love is you can go as long as you want, pretty much. I mean, we'll lose. Within reason. Within reason. We're aware. We're, don't worry. They're monitoring me really close. But No one is for, monitoring him. <laughs> this is one of the first times he has no timekeeper. <laughs> and so, um, but for me, spending so much time by myself traveling and being in a lot of hotel rooms, I mean, I've literally walked into a hotel room and have sobbed, you know, because of loneliness. Oh, you know, man. they... Um, they literally say, you know, the worst thing you can do is put someone into, you know, into confinement, you know, where they're in oh, isolation. Oh, it's torture. Yeah, it's literally torture. Yeah, like, in, in, like in prisons when they yeah. when they put people in solitary confinement. No, it's, We're no. seeing now that this causes major, long-term, possibly irreversible psychological damage. Yeah, no, the other day I was It's just, one of the worst things you could do. No, absolutely. The other day I was doing some of the math on just how many nights I've spent in a hotel by myself. Oh, I've yeah. been married for 27 years. Yeah. And there's probably not too many people who have been married as many years as me. They've spent that much time. You know, apart the from road, their spouse, apart, yeah, and yeah. is still married. Yeah, still, yeah, true. That, yeah, that's, right. that's a that's another workshop. Yeah, Wendy but, Moore <laughs> is his wife's <laughs> name. I don't know if she wants to be saying her name. No, you can She's a saint. Out. Yeah, she is beyond a saint to let yeah. me go do this work. And yeah. you know, I told my kids, I sat my family down a long time ago and said, "Hey, this will be a sacrifice. We're, we're going to be able to reach millions of people, but my family's going to have to sacrifice." I, I, I'm not comparing myself to this at all. But I remember um, Loretta Scott King talked about that when she when she knew when her husband was doing that type of work and impacting millions of people, the family was going to sacrifice. So uh, I've literally sat down with my family and said, hey, look, this is yeah. going to be insane, what we're about to do. And, well, um, or they, or they, Billy, my, your yeah, brother, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be, to, be, to be a police officer yeah. and to be a minister and to help people fix their roofs. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was out there serving the community. Yeah, and he's away from his family. Yeah, I have yeah, no yeah, doubt that yeah. his family suffered. And that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting tension yeah, between yeah. trying to do community work but also trying to make sure that you're there for your own family. Yeah, yeah. Like there, you know, there's. I mean, unfortunately, time is a zero sum game. There's only so much of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's absolutely. not infinite. We only have so many years to live, and there's only so many hours in the day, and there's only so much work you can do. And I think all you can do is just try to, you know, yeah, yeah. just just move where you stand. Like just try to do the work you can with the time you have. No, amen, amen. My again, my family has been really patient. With 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 me giving so much time and, and being away sometimes and going back to why podcast means so much to me, the way I've worked through that loneliness in hotel rooms and traveling as much as I have, I'll put on my headset and I'll spend an hour listening to a podcast, and so many podcasts have changed my life. I mean, I probably say probably sixty percent of my education in the last ten years has come from a podcast. Maybe I don't know, podcast been going for ten years, seven years, whatever long. Oh gosh, no podcast? So the very first podcast. What was the first, what was do you remember the first podcast you ever listened to? This American Life. Was it? Yeah. I think As so. a podcast or yeah. a radio show? I think oh, you know what? They're on NPR as a radio. So no, I heard that on NPR. But I think yeah. I transitioned yeah. to listening to it as a podcast. But I think for for some reason yeah. that seems like the first one to me was this yeah. American Life. So so just just a side note. Again, yeah. this is another cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah. We'll be yeah, entering no, 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 no. So the very first podcast I ever listened to was Buzz Out Loud with Tom Merritt, and. I bought, so I was in Silicon Valley, I was on a business trip, and I went into a store and I bought my very first iPod, 
at a at a little store there in Silicon Valley, and I got on Wi-Fi. I got you know you had to yeah. like circle the dial, you know, and I punched <laughs> yeah, yeah. it in, and I, I was looking for podcasts, and I found Buzz Out Loud with Tom Merritt, oh, and wow. I remember thinking this is going to change everything. Yeah. I could listen to I could get information yeah. without having to be you know listening to it live on the radio. Yeah. I could just listen to it anywhere. I could take yeah. it with me. I didn't have to have a radio transmitter. Yeah. I didn't have to tune it at a certain oh, time. Wow. See, it's crazy. Yeah. And see, for it, me, it's changed yeah. everything. Yeah. Right? I listen to them on airplanes. I listen to them, you know, when I'm exercising. I try to get, you know, 12,000 steps every day. I probably average 3,000, but that's another workshop. But I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on it. And so, Oh, you do the, great. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm working on it. But what I'm saying is, you know, podcasts for me have um, been life-changing. And so, I, I honestly, I feel a little motion right now doing the first podcast because I know the impact of my own life has been massive. It's been something that has been tremendous to me from an education standpoint. It's been tremendous to me just to combat loneliness, um, to understand the human condition more. And, you know, I hope that we can be one of those type of podcasts, Dave, that, um, that helps people heal. And yeah. that's really the goal, to increase resilience. But why do we increase resilience? Because as we have resilience, we, we heal from trauma, we heal from lots of different things. And, and that, that's one of my goals in this. Yeah, and, and just being here, being present with you as my friend, like that is why I, you know, that's why, you know, I, that's why I work. That's why I'm resilient. That's why I do all the other things. It's so yeah. I can spend time with my family, so I can spend time with my friends. Yeah. Because there's there's just a lot of joy and satisfaction in connecting with another human being. Uh, and to yeah. me, that is what it's all about. And that's why yeah. that's why this quarantine thing I think is really hard on people. Yeah, yeah. Because we're taking that, you know, we're substituting it with something digital, and and it, and it's like almost as good. But not it's quite. Not right. yeah, yeah. It's not quite the same as fully connecting. Yeah. But it is. But it. But it is helpful. You know, yeah, just yeah. like you found with those listening to those podcasts late at night. And I don't yeah. know about for you, but for me, like that's why it's not just listening to one person talk. Yeah. It's listening to a conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's listening to two people go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. there's something comforting about that for me. Yeah, yeah, you know, when I when I could be yeah. engaged in a conversation, I feel like I'm a part of it, even though I, my voice isn't a part of it. Yeah. And and it does combat loneliness. You're right. It's yeah, not yeah. the same as being face to face with a human being. Obviously that's better. Yeah. But it does help. Yeah, yeah. And so anyways, over the last <laughs> Several years, many people have asked me, Christian, you talk about resilience, you stand for an audience, you give all these speeches on resilience. Why is there not a resilience breakthrough podcast? And um, I'm so excited we got this off the ground. We probably should wind this up here. A oh, little Christian bit here. is yeah, yeah. closing so, yeah, I'm it. I'm going to close. I'm going to do something oh, unprecedented. No one has ever <laughs> seen me stop speaking, but my family is going to kill me if I don't go turn on the grill for them right, right. now. They're texting me saying, Dad, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry. So I, I, right, I, 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 as much as I love podcasts, yeah. you know, you love um, your family more? Yeah, yeah, family, there's no there's no success. I heard some quote one day. There's no yeah. success outside of the home that compensates for failure in the home and your children being hungry. I don't know. I heard some right. quote about that. That's one probably time. a good quote. We'll end on that one. <laughs> all right. Hey, all those that listen, thank you so much. And I promise you, we are just getting started and we are going to literally walk you through step by step where resilience is born from within and how to continue to tap that throughout your lifetime. And we're going to do this by talking to lots of people, and we promise if you listen to us, we will not let you down. Thank yep. you. Yep. Thank you. All right. Episode one in the can. Yeah.